You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. Our teaching text today is from Isaiah 6, 6, Isaiah 61, 1 through 6. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. This is the word of the Lord. My friends, welcome. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, We have, if you're first time joining us, we're in the middle of this series, our vision series that we do every year this time, where we just re-up on the reasons why we are here and what we're doing Namely, the people that we want to be and the things we want to be about is centered around three pillars, which are formative encounter, Gemma talked about that, this desire to be in the presence of God and come away inextricably changed, right? Also, to have merciful presence that out of this formative time with the Lord, and this is not one time, but a continual posture of our lives, continually meeting with the Lord, this leads us outward missionally to share the goodness that we have found to those who need it most. And all this is not just an individual practice, but this is a corporate thing. We are doing this together, and that's why our third and final pillar that we're looking at today is Pilgrim Community. We're going to unpack what Pilgrim Community is, but first I'm going to need to pray. Let me just make it through. Uh, Heavenly Father, Son Jesus, Holy Spirit, by your power and by your presence, would you take this text and the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts and would you use them for your good purposes? We cling to the promise that your words do not come back void, but they achieve the purposes for which they've been sent. May that be true among us today as we enter your holy text. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our teaching text for the past two weeks has been centered in Isaiah. It's still in Isaiah. Uh, And before we get into our teaching text today, I want to give you a little fuller context of what's actually happening here in Isaiah. So if you don't know, the prophet Isaiah 
was a person anointed by God to give his message to his people. These are the Israelites, the, the, the 12 tribes uh, of Israel. And so here these people have this prophet and he comes to them and he's giving them this word of warning. The kingdom, the people of God have been split in two. There's a northern kingdom, there's a southern kingdom. Isaiah is in the southern kingdom and he's telling them that there is about to be upon them a message of judgment and hope. Judgment and hope. This is what we're going to be exploring today. First, the judgment. Isaiah comes with not good news. Imagine the word of, the word of God manifested among you and the first thing he says is woe to you. All right, buckle up. See, what had happened was that these people of God had become habitual perpetrators of evil. You'll see in Isaiah 1, it's up here behind me on the screen, you can read it, but essentially what you will find is that they had become a pious people. And by pious, I mean that in the negative sense of the word. They were outwardly moral. They had festivals and sacrifices. They, they did all the things, but they were inwardly malignant cancerous. They would stand and sing praises to God and then they would go and gossip. They would lay hands in prayer and then they'd sin against themselves and each other in sexual immorality. They would sip the communion cup and then they'd go get drunk on white claws. <laughs> and so God is saying, you evil people, I don't even want all that holy work that you do. It, it drives me crazy because the real thing that I require, you deny me, which is submission of your lives. But not with just this piety that corrupted them, but also in, verse, in chapter five, we see that they are greedy and ungenerous. They're led to overindulgence and they live by their appetites with no regard for those in need. Now, all of this in itself is problematic, just on its face, to live this posture before the Lord. But there was a deeper thing, there was a deeper level to the brokenness, and it was this. God had saved these people, he had fortified these people, he had taken them from an old man and an old woman, turned them into a mighty nation for the distinct purpose that they would declare who he was to those around him. They were his ambassadors to the world, God's holy chosen people, and yet look how they were representing him, look how they carried his name. They brought shame and dishonor on God and they were damming up the revelation of his glory. If it was by their model that people understood who God was like, then God was greedy. He was consumptive. He was, he was slanderous and idolatrous. But that is not the God they were called to serve and love. So God's response to this pervasive working of iniquity is judgment. So when Isaiah comes, he starts to speak a prophetic word that soon outside enemies would come in and take the people from their homes, lead them into exile, and they then would become slaves. And the Lord was not going to stop it. He was not coming to the rescue. 
In chapter 6 of Isaiah, the text we've been in the last two weeks, we have this moment where Isaiah, who's been saying, you know, hey, you people, you unclean people, you broken people. And then he gets this moment where he enters into the temple of the Lord and he himself is unfurled. The man of God says, oh my gosh, woe is me. He's anointed this formative encounter. He's sent out to go speak for the people. And the words he says is all continued of them being uh, unaware and ignorant to their coming damnation. Isaiah asks at the end of chapter 6, how long, Lord, would this go on? How long and how severe will your judgment be? The Lord says this, until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland. Until the Lord has sent everyone away and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. If even a tenth, a remnant survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. God's judgment was going to be thorough and complete. They were going to be enslaved totally. And everything they once knew would be raised to the ground. And all that would be left is a stump. So we got to talk about it, right? God's judgment. Because if we're honest, this can seem incongruent with our perception of what it means to be an all-loving God. I had a friend whose child recently asked, God, uh, if, there's, if there is a good God, how comes there's war? Now, I'm going to play hot potato with that theological grenade uh, for another day. But I do want to speak to the sentiment behind it. What do we do with God's judgment? A lot of us are here and not other places because what was taught and what was expressed of God's judgment left us feeling real icky. What we experienced of, of God's judgment left us wounded and scarred. And yet we read passages like this that means that there's more to God than Birkenstocks and carrying lambs. John 4, Jesus is at this well with this woman. He asks her for a drink, and then later he makes this analogy, and he says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for this living water so you would never thirst again. Jesus calls himself a source of living water. I mean, that can be a distant analogy here in New York City where we have some of the best water in the world. Unless you ask the people of, like, Jacob Reese houses just a few months ago when they thought their water was contaminated with arsenic. And they were deeply concerned. Thankfully, apparently, it turns out it was a bad test. But go a little south and talk to the people of Jackson, Mississippi, who for a month had water that looked like tar coming out of their faucets. Water that they couldn't drink even if they boiled it they would understand what it means to know a God that provides living water. Because when you take water for granted, you don't realize how much you need it until it's gone, and then you want it. But you don't just want tainted water. Here's the question. 
how much arsenic in your water would you be okay with? How much contamination would you be fine with in the water that you serve the people you love? I think all of us would say, I wouldn't want a drop. So if God being the source, the water source of life, it necessitates that he himself be holy, pure, without defect, able to be freely consumed by all people at all times. God's holiness requires that he remains pure so that you can drink for him without worry. You see what I'm saying? That you don't have to boil him. You can bathe in him. You can give it to your child. You can give it to your grandmother. It is free and it is good and it is necessary for life. And so his judgment is a function of his purification system. God allows us to enter and experience pain, especially pain that flows from the choices we've made to reject him, so that in this discipline we may see the folly of sin and turn and be healed. The ultimate purpose of God's judgment isn't punishment, but rehabilitation and restoration. If you lived in Jackson, Mississippi, you would want no expense spared, every person at fault held accountable, and every effort taken to make your water as clean as possible. The mayor of Jackson actually said this uh, in speaking about how expensive it's going to be to update their water treatment system. He says, we're not waiting another minute, another moment, another day. We're making certain that we shake all the trees in order to get the resources in order to make capital improvements immediately. They will take the pain of the expense because they know what it means to live in dirty water. And so the judgment of God is actually his benefit and his blessing for us because by it, he is purifying us. By it, he is allowing us to become ourselves wellsprings of life. The, the writer of Hebrews, the preacher of Hebrews says this in verse 11, chapter 12, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If we have the eyes to see it, the judgment of the Lord becomes our salvation. His judgment is tinged with hope. We see this again in Isaiah. Go back to Isaiah 6, at the end of that chapter, when he, when he tells them that they're going to be cut down to a stump. What does he say? He says that Israel's stump will be a holy seed. A holy seed. This is the hope and the judgment. The stump and its death becomes a seed which is teeming with the propensity for life. It's teeming for the, for the explosion of growth. This is a prophetic statement. Obviously, Isaiah is referring to the root of Jesse who was to come that out of, out of Jerusalem, out of Bethlehem, in the southern kingdom would come the one who would save them to never having to be enslaved again. This brings us to our text. It's a familiar text. This is what I want to do. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes.
I'm not going to go to the bathroom. (laughs) I want you to close your eyes. And I'm just going to read our text today again. And here's what I'd ask you to do. I want you to listen, and I want you to, to take note of a couple of things. Who's mentioned in the text, and what are they doing? Who's mentioned in the text, and what are they doing? And then I want to ask you, where do you see yourself? The word of the Lord says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. Who was in the text? What were they doing? Where do you see yourself? I'm sure there's a temptation to place ourselves in the seat of the speaker, the anointed one. It's in the first person. It kind of lends itself to us being this anointed people. But I'm sad to say that position is full. See, these words, the person that's speaking is Jesus the suffering servant. Isaiah is writing in the first person as Jesus himself is testifying to who he is to come, the root of Jesse, as he's called in Isaiah 11. In Luke 4, Jesus actually reads this at the start of his ministry. He reads this very passage from a scroll announcing his ministry. And what is Jesus up to? Well, Luke 4, he takes the scroll and he talks about proclaiming the good news to the poor, binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming freedom to captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, declaring the year of the Lord's favor. And that's where he stops. The reason Jesus stops there in this passage is because he's doing something. He's illuminating that he has a first and second coming. And in this first coming, as he walked the surf, this is what he came to do. But of course, the texts go on. The suffering servant continues to speak, but Jesus is pointing to his second advent. When he comes again, when he comes, he will be declaring vengeance of the Lord. He will be comforting those who mourn, providing for those who grieve in Zion, bestowing crowns of beauty, the oil of joy, and giving them a garment of praise. And he will be calling them oaks of righteousness. These oaks of righteousness, that's who else is listed in this passage. 
The thing about prophecy, it works on kind of multiple levels. But right here, this is a word being given to the Israelites. These are the people of God. And so God is telling his people that he will send his son Jesus, and then his son will die, but then he will come again and he will end their sorrow. But their work, both when he comes and while they wait, will be to rebuild ancient ruins, restoring places long devastated, renew the ruined cities. And here is where we make an appearance. In verse 5, it says, Strangers will shepherd your flocks, and foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. Here, God is saying, My people, the Israelites, a very specific people, you will, be, you will have others grafted into your work. The kingdom of God, the family of God, the people of God is expanding. And so it won't be just the lineage of Abraham, but it will be all God's sons and daughters will come and joining the work of stewarding all that he has created. And so we enter the text and we are grafted in to the prophecy. We are grafted in to the work. And it switches lastly. He says, in all of you, you will be called priests of the Lord and named ministers of our God. This too is our calling. Peter writes, chapter two, verse six of his first epistle, he says, you will be called a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means this. As a pilgrim community, we are taking up our adopted work of repairing what has been lost and living out our calling as priests of the Lord and ministers of our God. That's our work. And that's what we're going to busy ourselves to as the people of Oak Church, Brooklyn. This is actually the passage our name is derived from. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to start here. Over the next year, we're going to be giving our primary focus to two things, prayer and reconciliation. And the reason we're giving ourselves to prayer and reconciliation is because we believe that the Lord right now is calling our community to become a people who, who converse with him, both listening and speaking. And through that, he is making us peacemakers. When I talk about reconciliation, I'm not just talking in the racial sense. I'm very much also talking about that. But I'm talking about wherever, as the poet Paul Salon says, where the void stands between us, that we find the way all the way to each other. This is what we are going to busy ourselves with over the next years, and this is what it's going to look like. And I'm giving you this up front because I want to say buckle up and lean in. At the beginning, Nick asked you, Lord, what would you have for me? He asked you to ask it, Lord, what would you have for me? And I think this is what he wants to give us, an anointing of prayer and reconciliation. And so I want you to know where we're going so you can start praying through it, so you can start telling your friends, so you can get locked in, you can get ready to go, and you know what the plan is. You got me? So here's how it's going to look like. First, we're going to be exploring this through our teaching. In two weeks, we're going to be starting a series called Lions and Lambs, and this is going to walk us through a biblical framework for reconciliation. Through that, that's going to lead us into Advent where we, we unpack Jesus as the Prince of Peace. We back in Isaiah and all these prophecies of the one who comes, the first reconciler. 
From there, at the start of the year, we're going to be unpacking a term called conspiratio. I'm going to just let it hang. You don't know what that means, but you'll get there. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 4 and what it means for us to be a unified body. Because here's the deal. We had this saying when I was growing up, don't be an international wonder in a hometown blunder. We can't go out into the streets and start telling people how they should live when we haven't gotten our house right. So we're going to shore up, we're going to shore up and reconcile and be reconciled to each other so that by our love, the world will actually listen to what we have to say. We're going to move into Lynn. We're going to look at prayer over troubled waters, how prayer helps us in the midst of inevitable conflict. We're going to keep going, but that's just where we're going to start. Here's how this is going to look like through our equipping. Later this fall, we're going to be having some healing spaces. Before we can start doing the corporate work of reconciliation, some of us need to do some individual work. And so we're going to need to find some spaces where you can just like be honest and be heard and just be met with the Lord. So those are being designed. and I'm going to invite you to just do some self-assessment even now and say, Lord, where am I? Am I healthy enough to actually even be in a place to start talking about this reconciliation stuff? Have I been reconciled to myself? So we want to create some spaces where you can engage that. Then in the winter, we're going to be doing these things as a working title, Lion and Lamb Nights. What we're going to be exploring, the reality is when we talk about reconciliation, we look at this picture of lions and lambs. If we're honest, at times, we are all both lions and lambs, depending on the situation. And sometimes in situations, we're both. And so we're going to have these nights where we listen from practitioners of reconciliation, people that have walked further than us through some core areas. And we're going to listen to their stories, learn some more about it, and then we're going to hold some holy space with each other where we kind of just explore and allow the Lord to walk us through how am I a lion in my life and how am I a lamb in my life and how do I walk out the process of reconciliation so that we can be like the picture of Isaiah 11 where on God's holy mountain the lion and the lamb lay together. We're going to start up some daily prayer rhythms here. Getting ourselves corporately trained to be continually people of prayer. There's going to be an exploration of more corporate prayer spaces, places where you can just come and be unfurled to commune and talk to God together. And then here's how we're going to explore prayer and reconciliation through our work. Alpha is coming back. We're going to go out and be ministers of God. Start telling people about who we found. Even though we ain't got there, we're just going to say, hey, here's, here's who he is. If you want to know more, come along with us. We're, we're getting our stuff figured out. We're going to be seeding some next generation ministries, particularly through our Christmas offering. We're going to be looking at how we can start making sure that this, this, this stump that we are, the roots that we are now, is going to be a tree that lasts and shades people long after any of us are here. Next summer, we're going to be doing some open-air prayer spaces. We're going to be out in the streets praying for people. Get ready. I am pumped. We're going to have the return of some neighborhood dinners where we just start eating and breaking bread with the people around us. This is where we're going. I hope you'll lean in. I hope you're ready. Because this is not going to be just a thing that happens to you and for you. It's going to happen through you and with you. So come prepared, not just to give, but to receive 
We'll do it together. So let's move to our invitation. There were two invitations as I pray that I felt like the Lord had for us today. And it comes out of our teaching text. The first is this. And I would just want to caveat that that the invitation I'm about to give is for a very specific group of people. And you may have once been in this group. Uh, You may long to be in this group. Uh, You may be exiting this group. And that's okay. This isn't about that, okay? This is about if you're honestly where you are. And here's what I mean by that. If you know that you are in a place in your current space and time of life where you feel grounded and settled in the Lord, and what I mean by that, you're feeling healthy, you're feeling strong, you're on the mountaintop, right? And you feel like you can get to work to be a minister of God. I'm just going to ask you to stand right now. You can just own it. It's fine. It's good to be in a good space. Yeah, yeah, I just want you to stand. And if you're not standing, it's not an indictment on you. Like I said, you may be like, man, I was there last week, but then I had to move this month and things have gone totally crazy, okay? And I'm not in a good place because these rents are too dang high. (laughs) I understand that. Maybe you're bearing a lot right now. And you can't really give. You need to receive. That's okay. Please stay where you are. But if you're in that place where you're feeling strong and you say, my hands are empty, I'm ready to put them, I'm ready to put them to work. I want to give you a commissioning right now. Isaiah says that they'd be called priests of the Lord that they would be ministers of our God. In Numbers, where God is establishing the first priests, the sons of Aaron, he gives them this blessing. This is what they're going to say. And I'm going to say this over you. And this blessing is is really, uh, I'm blessing you so that you will then go out and bless. And what I'm going to ask of you Two things, man. What would it look like for you to just start opening your eyes to the the opportunities that God has had? Maybe they're inside this community. Maybe they're outside. But what are the opportunities the Lord has called you and to put to work? If you need help discerning that, I want you to reach out to me. Let's talk through it. We're going to have a Justice 101 course. That's going to be a great place for some of you to really dig in to what it looks like to start living out this calling. But here is the blessing I want to have on you. And I just want to ask those of you, just put out a hand towards those. This is the blessing that we are calling you to to bless others with. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. We bless you, my brothers and sisters, to go and be a blessing to others. Amen. I want you to, I want you to, you can sit down. You can leave that, you can leave that on the screen. Don't get too comfortable, those of you who just sit down because you're about to get to work. (laughs) Life comes at you fast. There's another group I felt that the Lord was inviting us Maybe you used to be there, but you're not there because actually you need some ministry. 
in the beginning of our teaching text, the suffering servant talks about his work. And maybe, <laughs> maybe he was talking to you when he says that he needs to give good news to the poor. Are you poor today? He comes to bind of the brokenhearted. Is your heart heavy today? He's come to give freedom for the captives. Have you found yourself in a pattern of decisions that have got you trapped, housed in? To provide release from the darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you need to know that the favor of the Lord is for you? If any of those resonates, here's what I would ask you to do. I'd ask you to just take the boldness to stand. He's come to comfort all those who are mourning. Are you mourning today? Do you need a crown of beauty because you've been wearing ashes? Do you have a spirit of despair? Something's been weighing on you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the next few moments ministering to you, my friends. So what I'm going to ask is for our prayer team, for those who were just commissioned, what I'm going to ask you to do is simple. I'm just going to ask you to just go by one of these people and would you read this blessing that you were blessed with, will you just bless them by it? That they would hear the blessing of the Lord over their lives and be reminded that his peace is coming, that his favor may rest on you. And we're just going to bless you. And if you like prayer, if you just like, hey, if you want to, if you want to take that moment and you want to be prayed for, we'll do that too. But at the very least, some of us have just started. Some of us just got commissioned. So give us a little grace. Okay, so they're just going to read that over you. But then we're going to have the members of our prayer teams. They'll have lanyards and, and those you trust in around you. We can just minister simple prayers, right? And maybe if you, if you need help, if you're like, I never pray with anybody, just grab somebody with you under the lane. Well, you can double up on prayer. But let's minister to our brothers and sisters and remind them of the goodness of the Lord. Can we do that? So let's get to it. Let's stand and let's minister. And I will begin us, Lord, may your healing come. And may we begin to bless one another. Spirit, would you move among us and may your healing fall fresh on us. We don't have to wait till your second coming, God. Your kingdom is already advancing. Keep going. You're good. Just keep going. I'm just praying over us. And if you're not near someone, you can just be praying out loud. You can just be giving thanks to God. We can all play. The band's going to make their way up. They're going to lead us in some corporate worship. But let's just bless. Let's just bless and pray for one another. Let's minister to each other and the Lord. Thank you.